Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Molk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as podcaster, person, Aussie Londoner, author, happy person on the tube, host of Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one wedding planning podcast. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Alicia McCormack. Woo! I'm so stoked to be here. Oh my gosh. It's usually me interviewing people now, so thanks. <laughs> tables have turned, Alicia. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. I'm worried. In social settings, Alicia, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, my God. My husband and I talk about this all the time because it really depends what group of people I'm with because Mm -hmm. in the daytime I work in TV and when we live in London and when I was in Australia I was on TV and I was doing a lot of stand-up comedy so that was really easy because I'd just say I'm a comedian or I work in telly or I blah, blah. Whereas here I don't have that persona. It's like it doesn't really exist in a way. So I usually say, yeah. I'm Alicia, I'm a podcaster, I'm Alicia, I, uh, you know, I work in television production. So it's really weird depending on which hat I'm wearing. That sounds so sort of career schizophrenic, but that's where I'm at at the moment. It's a bit strange. How do you find reactions to the I'm Alicia, I'm a podcaster? Mm. Well, it's either people go, oh, I love podcasting, I love cereal, or... <laughs> <laughs> Or they'll go, and so what blog is that? And then you're Ooh, like, okay, yeah. well, let's talk. And I've had so many um, discussions with people that claim when they're holding their iPhone in their hand and they're going, I don't have the iPhone, uh, the uh, podcasting app on my phone. I'm like, yes, you do. I'll show you it. And they're like, no, 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 I deleted that one. I'm like, unless you can reprogram the iOS, it does, you know, it's there forever. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, different reactions to it but usually it's of interest or they'll just you know pass on by and not really understand podcasting is far more than serial but to its credit that is getting (laughs) making podcasting more aware in the general populace isn't it true i think it's given people um something to cling on to something that they get although when i talk to my dad it's taken i've been doing my show now for 14 months and whenever I'd mention the podcast, my dad would always sort of just go, oh, yeah. And um, not that he's like, he's always really proud of me, but he just didn't get it. And mm. then over Christmas, I finally sat down and I went, I just need to explain to you. I need to see in your eyes that you understand what I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's like a radio show, dad, but it's on the device. You just download it. It's free, you know. And I think he gets it. He's like, oh, geez, there's so many shows. How, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, we've been talking about it for a year. You're just going to have to get with the program. Yes. Yeah. And once you get with the program, dad, there's a whole ton of pro oh. podcasts you'll subscribe to. It, it'll end you. He would love it. Look, he's yeah, he's sitting on a boat in the middle of the uh, ocean at the moment. He goes to Antarctica for a living and uh, he can't therefore listen to podcasts currently because he's got no real internet, but he does love a binge watch of a TV show. So we're slowly getting him in. I just have TV shows to download before he goes to Antarctica. and All, all legally, of course, Alicia. Oh, oh my gosh. And hello to the <laughs> guy listening in. Hey, maybe he downloads them from a specific legal place. I also buy things, of course. <clears throat> Move on. <laughs> you work in television, don't you, Alicia? Oh, my God. <laughs> Daniel Burt 
would have my ass. Can I just say, <laughs> at Trubnad, talking about Twitter, would fucking kill me right now for saying that. I love Daniel. He's so great. Gosh. I do too. He's my bestie, but he's very, very firm. If you say the word, I download it, he's going to say, I'm going to hope you actually purchase that from Apple. And I'm he's like, absolutely. militant, and I think that there needs to be more people that are like that. <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. We, we, um, we are very entertained by Daniel. He, I love him. <laughs> and writes cracking. We're getting way off course, but he writes Please. cracking uh, uh, pieces, often for The Age, I think it is. Yes, um, Yes, the green guide and, and everything. Whenever they appear, brilliant. And I, I will just say, as a little tip-off, although I do a wedding planning podcast and we might cover this, I don't know, but in the future, in a couple of weeks, I interviewed him when we were in Australia and unfortunately Daniel and I and my husband and my dad went bushwalking over Christmas and Daniel broke his ankle on our watch in the middle of the Tasmanian bush. So there's a great story. He's not an outdoor man. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no. Well done. Yeah. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the fact that your father loves to binge watch, what have you recommended to him recently? Well, he went through Breaking Bad and uh, I've tried to get him onto Mad Men. He's never really attached himself mm. to that. He loves a bit of Homeland. I got, I got him the Jinx, the wonderful documentary yes. series, and also uh, he watched um, – he didn't quite get Making a Murderer because we didn't quite get it to him in time, and I think he would have loved that. He mm. loves a movie. He loves a series. He gets really obsessed. And then the other day they've got a library. This is on the Aurora Australis, and they've yes. got a video library, and he is – they've been sitting out in the ocean for about three and a half. Library. Yeah, a video a DVD library. Oh, my God, child of the 80s. And uh, – They've got a DVD library and he sort of usually writes and says, oh, have you heard of this movie? And um, he said the other day, have you heard of The Hunger Games? I'm like, yeah, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) So he's watched all The Hunger Games and he's like, oh, it's a top show. He he always refers to things as a top show, the bloody top show. So, um, yeah, hilarious. He loves, he does love a, a TV show, loves it. Could have described the Hunger Games to him as exactly what it's like in Antarctica about two months after you've arrived. <laughs> so true, so true. With with, with less good hair, <laughs> but far less good hair, oh. and nowhere near the flaming costumes. Exactly, and out that noise. I love that noise, the death noise. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's chilling. Anyway, <laughs> Alicia, why a wedding planning podcast? <laughs> well. It's okay. So we moved to London to rewind. Actually, when I was doing the Circle, I was a host on the the TV show The Circle on oh, Channel Ten. You broke it. I broke the Circle. <laughs> we got axed. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so I was doing the Circle, and when Rich and I got engaged, they sort of did some wonderful wedding planning. Wonderful. Listen mm-hmm. to me. To it was fun. We did wedding planning stories for the show, and uh, I. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hey, they even came and filmed our wedding. It was amazing. We got a free wedding video out of it with the broadcast bloody cameras and my favourite crew came along. It was great. Uh, So (laughs) I wrote a book, got a publisher. I wrote a bit of a a funny wedding planning guide um, after that and then when we moved to London, I really just didn't feel the vibe about getting back into stand-up comedy in a brand-new town, Mm -hmm. which I know uh, is sort of – Against all comedians, Will, you should just be getting out there and gigging. And I was just like, in a new city, I don't know, I just uh, just couldn't bring myself to sort of hit club gigs. 
And uh, I really love podcasts. And I sort of recognized quite quickly that there was no one doing that sort of podcast. No one was talking about weddings. And I know talking to people that are planning weddings, it's a really feral sort of deep emotional time. People are talking about money and relationships and all the craziness of families and obligation and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I thought I'm going to give it a crack. I'll I'll start this sort of fun wedding planning podcast, just talking people through. There's lots of swears. It's very lighthearted and it's sort of grown from there. It is a fun listen. I will uh, absolutely endorse it to that end. Cheers. Uh, people can find it in the usual places. It's on yes. the iTunes and things. It sure is. Just look up Save the Date. What has been the most? Um, <laughs> what has been the most entertaining moment for you in uh, in getting Save the Date functioning and out there and, and people you've spoken to? Well, I think it's this sort of power of um, a community. I've built this sort of community almost by accident. And I started using the phrase, um, you know, like be a bride chiller, not a bridezilla. And it's, look, and I will say this from the beginning, I'm not the first person to use that, but I suppose I've molded or melded, whatever the word is, that into my brand in a very air quotes way of just saying, this is only a day in your life, you know, just relax. It's just a party a really mm. fun party and people take it so seriously and the industry is so mental, like it's such a huge cash cow. So mm. I suppose it's when I first started getting emails back and it's different from getting, not that I would really ever get fan mail, but I'd get tweets and Facebook messages from people that had seen me perform and it's sort of just a different, you know, a different sort of form of feedback that's coming and I received these really long, amazing almost sort of like agony aunt emails and I do a Q&A episode every Thursday and people send me their sort of conundrums and they're very entertaining but people really invest a lot of, I don't know, they really trust me with stuff and sometimes I'm like, oh, man, this is heavy shit or this is funny. Well, you know, I, I need to record all this to write a stand-up act about, about, act about it one day. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's a sense of community in that um, – for a short period of these people's lives, I'm in it and I'm, I've been labelled a virtual bridesmaid. And that's something, like if you'd asked Alicia three wow. years ago, I would never have said that I would have been affecting people's lives in that sort of way. So it's, it's charming. It's lovely. That is very lovely. <laughs> it's um, great. Uh, you're right about the community that you do build in, in that context when you're talking about uh, a podcast and, that, and those sorts of things because people become very invested in their favourite podcasts and the yeah. ones that they want to listen to. Yeah. And I would expect that your pickup rate as far as people coming into the podcast and hearing it would be a fairly large number of particularly brides mm -hmm. wanting to get hints and tips on how I can best plan my 2016 wedding so yep. that it's all very cool and hip and functional. But then they start to turn and, and go, oh, but, yeah, I hadn't thought about this. Or, yeah, no, I'm feeling this pressure from insert relative here or and how I address those sorts of things. And your podcast is full of solutions for those sorts of stuff. Yeah, and I think it's even down to I had a listener email the other day who said that they were planning a 200-head wedding and they'd sort of listened to a couple of or more than a couple of episodes, I think, of the show and had really decided they were going to cut that down to a 16-head wedding with just close family and a couple wow. of friends. And I was like, oh, man, that's pretty great that my guidance in whatever way that they took it has brought them to the conclusion that they don't need to spend 
50 G's on a wedding and that they would rather share it with really like a very select group of people. So I suppose me being Australian and being a big loud mouth also, I've got a really huge American audience and they're always like, oh, Alicia, you're so, you you cuss a lot, but we really enjoy it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> So in the midst of something that is obviously, you know, reasonably public, where do you draw the line between public and private for you? You would share a lot and you do share a lot about yourself and your experience in this. That's a really good question because I think over the years, all of my stand-up has been personal experience stories. I'm really bad at writing a joke that hasn't happened to me. I just really tried. Well, I mean, I did that for years writing for the project and so I shouldn't say really bad. It's just not my stand-up persona. So... I suppose, you know, it's always interesting talking with comedians about what they're willing to reveal and what they're willing to put in shows and what they want to keep private. And I think it's just, you know, I talk about my family a lot and my relationships a lot. So I suppose it's just a matter of going, would, if the person you were talking about came to the show, how would they react to it? And (laughs) a few Mm. times, you know, that's happened and it's been sort of orcs in a way, but then you know, you got to trust your gut and it's good material. you got to use it. I hate yeah. good material going begging, Steve. It makes me feel sad. And and I speak to a few comedians and they feel the very same way, Alicia. I completely understand that. It's in us. It's certainly in you, yes. Mm. <laughs> How does your husband react to being fodder, either material or <laughs> um, referenced as a part of your podcast stuff? I think the podcasting stuff, it's really funny with Rich because he chooses not to have much to do with it and then I drag him occasionally to co-host the show and he's like, oh, man, I don't want to do it. And then he gets we get the most delightful emails and like, tweets and stuff saying, bring Rich back. Or he, there's a hashtag, bring Rich back, that went around. <laughs> which He's like, I don't believe they exist. I think you're programming these people. But um, I think he secretly loves it. But he doesn't want to admit it because he's like, you're the performer. He doesn't even speak like that. I don't know why I do his voice. It's awful. <laughs> he's a really smart guy. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the stand-up, I think, you know, I wrote a whole stand-up show. It was called How to Get Rich and it was about how we met. Mm. And that was a comedy festival show, I don't know, four years ago. And I think it was really good for our relationship and he enjoyed being photographed next to the the poster because it had his name in it. (laughs) And he knew what the pun was hinting at. Yeah, he did because it was about, you know, we met on Facebook, of course, such a modern, actually now that's like a really daggy thing to say. It should be like we met on Tinder, but we met on Facebook. He was living in England at the time. I was living in Melbourne and we sort of courted over the internet and then I got on a plane Rand, sort of randomly and we met at Heathrow Airport for the first time. So that show was all about the aeroplane ride over to England and I got Deborah Hutton to do in-flight announcements. She did a video for right. me. And so it was oh, about wow. my slow decline into insanity, realising I was flying across the world to meet this dude who I'd just met on Skype and, you know, it was a wonder. It was the best risk of my life, but it was also going, oh, man, what are you doing? What's going on? What are you doing? Was there a consideration in this for you that even though you'd seen Richard on Skype before you met him, mm. that that wasn't Richard? My auntie, Anne, was convinced he was in prison. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, 
man, he's got really good access to internet for some sort of <gasps> jail situation. Or she said, perhaps he doesn't have any legs. And I'm like, well, I like him. And if he's leg free, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm not discriminatory against people without limbs. So I was fine with that. But also he sort of seemed too good to be true, which actually ended up not being true. He was, it was genuinely that good. So that that was delightful. But um, yeah, I mean, I did think, and this goes back to the comedian mentality, that if it was a fucking disaster, that I would come home and I'd have my next comedy festival show. So either way, I would win. Spectacularly so too. (laughs) How was the heart, just quickly, when you, you know, the plane's landed and, you know, the seatbelt sign goes off mm. and you stand up knowing that at the end of the gangway, he's there. Well, he tricked me because my plane was getting in at 5.30 a.m. And he said where he was living in London, the tubes don't often, they don't start till 5 a.m. And he said, I can't get there in time to meet you. And I was like, oh, well, that's a shame. But, okay, it'll give me time to get my shit together. And I'll, yep. yeah. So you could get off the plane looking disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that I've got some time to prepare. Exactly. But of course he was there with a sign and he was adorable. So he surprised me. And it was, I don't know. I just felt like we'd spent so much time in each other's company uh, via the web. I just felt like I knew him. It was like a long lost friend. And um, yeah, without sounding hammy, it just did, it did. I was nervous, but then I was like, oh, I know this guy. It's cool. So we'd had five months of long distance chatting. So it was fine. I, look, I'm very feeling a woman fuzzy just here. Oh, shush. No, I am. It's lovely. <laughs> I do have one question. I did write this down when you mentioned it, that you said we met on Facebook. Mm. Now, as I understand Facebook, and I don't understand it very well, mm. it's not a place where you necessarily go and hang out and just randomly chat to people. It has to, particularly people you don't know, they have to make a comment on something Exactly. That you have some connection through other people too. Steve, you've cracked the code. You've cracked it. We were, we were, we had a friend, and this is actually not hilariously, it's randomly a TV reference that he, a friend of ours, had a Facebook album of him eating bananas, photographs of him eating bananas at parties. I don't know what the deal is. It was stupid. And then Rich made a I'm comment. To tell me more about the bananas. <laughs> I just don't, I never even questioned it. Oh, please. I've never even questioned what the hell he was doing, eating the bananas. But Rich made an Arrested Development quote about the banana stand or something. And I was like, oh, no one else got it. And I answered and going, that's funny. And what was weird, we both, and this is not for Tasmanian sort of generalizations, but we're both from Hobart. (laughs) And I saw we had about 48 mutual friends. I'm like, how do I not know this person? So I'd made it, we sort of started chatting very innocently. Uh, We're sort of going, why do you know this person? How do you know this person? And that's how it kicked off. So very old school, just me being too nosy for my own good, but it turned out okay. You totally Facebook stalked him. I Far out, I stalked him. And, (laughs) you know, we had, (laughs) but then he had, he was tricky and he still has the same photo to this day. He had a photo of him as a kid. I'm like, I can't even see what you look like crazy that's even better oh frustrating you've gone looking for him and he's done which is what i've done picture of, of myself as a kid mm. as my facebook profile pic never changed uh so you've had to dig hard to find pictures of what he looks like and, and yeah we're looking at relationship friendship stuff it's you've pushed the envelope 
Well, look, I'm good. I'm a career stalker. I work, you know, in television. I produce. That's what we do. We find people we're not supposed to find. So I feel like I've got good qualifications for that sort of stuff. Is is working in TV where Alicia thought in grade 11 she'd end up? Yeah, totally. It's all I ever wanted to do. I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I love producing. I watched, like I was sort of raised by the television and I'm a passionate television fan. Preach that, sister. <laughs> well, it was my like most responsible parent. I always sort yeah. of say that. And I learned the most from it. And I remember seeing a behind, I love French and Saunders and I was often, I wrote heaps of stand-up about TV and how the influence it had on my childhood. And often, this sounds like child abuse, but it's not. My mum would leave me at home alone in the day when I was a kid and I had a TV schedule. She would tape things and she would edit, like this is old school VHS stuff here, but she would at night record things for me to watch and then she would pause out all of the grim shit. So we would, I like... I loved murder mysteries, but she would cut out like key components of the storyline mm. because she thought it was add-on only content, but nothing made any sense in the end. So it was like, what's the point? So <laughs> it was stupid. So, so why did he get arrested? What I don't, there was no murder before. This yeah. seems innocent. What's the mm. point? So I totally edged your whole oh. um, arch for justice. Well, I was always saying if people, if these are the shitty, if this is the standard of writing, even as a 10-year-old, I thought I could do better. Like you're missing the point of the, where's the arc? <laughs> There's no third act. Um, that's exactly it. Where's the denouement, please? <laughs> so, look, I remember seeing a, a French and Saunders behind the scenes thing, you know, like short promo thing going, oh, my God, that's how they make it? This is amazing. And from then on I was sort of obsessed with working. And I do remember at school we had the Australian – a defence force come and do a big presentation about joining the army and they went around yeah. everyone and I went to a total, I'm going to say a total bogan school, um, and they went around and they said, what do you want to do? And one guy's like, I want to be a builder. And they're like, great, we can use you. We need builders. And then my friend was saying, I want to be an accountant. They're like, yes, we've got heaps of money to deal with in the army. And I'm like, "And <laughs> I want to make TV. I want to be a comedian. And they're like, so what else does everyone else want to do? <laughs> I would have thought that they'd come back with, great, we have lots of people we need to practice target shooting with. <laughs> they did not want me. So uh, I thought that was a win. That was a big win for me. Oh, it's a huge win, right? Not joining the Defence Forces exactly. and stating very clearly, I'm going to be in television. Yeah, I knew it. I wanted it. And, look, I went to film school. I did all that. You know, I really put my head down and look at me now. Oh, she says, working in uh, factual television for Channel 5. Oh, my God. Uh. I shouldn't be down on that. How is, how is it going? Look, it's fascinating. Producing English TV is another world and it's. I think I will come home when I come home uh, with a completely different viewpoint of television production and I'm delighted mm. that I've been given the opportunity but it has been full on and they really pump out a lot of television here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Hang on. Is, is Channel 5, and please correct me, I have limited knowledge of, of the UK. Oh, so. me too, still. Is Channel 5 the mob that brought us, like, Benefit Street and stuff? Oh, my God, yes. The people, okay, a couple of desks over from me made Benefit Street. Sure, a couple of desks over. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm not going to check the credits for those shows. (laughs) I'm not on those shows, but I am. producer, Leisha McCormack. (laughs) 
Oh, I this this is like a whole nother podcast. My mm. various weird TV shows I've worked in over the past, I don't know, twelve years. Crazy. It's there's so many weird stories to tell you, Steve, and so many like behind the scenes. You know, I, I watched the TV show Unreal. Have you seen Unreal? I love it. It's just about to launch in Australia. By the time this goes to air, it has started on SBS. Oh, watch it. Last year it was on Stand for season one. Season two will air on Stand this year. Great. Well, please, I beg you, if you like telly, watch mm. it because I've worked on a dating show it's and that. it is that. And I'm working on a show now which is a quote-unquote documentary series, like shock doc stuff, and I'm casting and it feels like I'm in that world and I can't quite climb out of it. <laughs> Again, it will be a good stand-up show one day. You're just coming back to Australia if and when you do come back yeah. with about seven years' worth of Melbourne Comedy Festival Yes, shows. just you try and stop me. I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> the first show will simply be an index. So, here's... Right, so these are the shows that yeah. are coming. <laughs> I sat and it will be called I Sat a Desk Away from the Benefit Street People. Mm, and I'm like, what? You just have to read local material, just call it Struggle Street and you'll be fine. Oh, my God. Kill me. Because you know we did that, right? Oh, of course we did. And you're doing First Dates is out, isn't it? Oh, very. In fact, it's rocking television in Australia right now. I love First Dates. I think it's such a wonderful concept and I think it's one of those shows that is schmushy, it's dramatic, it's, I don't know, it, 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 I think it brings all the great factual reality stuff together. It's, I'm a yep. sucker for that stuff. Can, can I offer you some brutal truth, please, Alicia? Please, Love it. Good. I love it. Uh, when I heard that we were making it in Australia, I jumped on uh, the power of the internet to have a look at, A, where it came from, yep. and B, to see who else has made it. Uh, and I watched a, a half hour of – I watched sorry, I watched an episode of the UK version. Yep. I watched an episode of the American version, and I watched, as it turns out, that night it was on Canadian television. Ah. So I got to watch Canadian first dates. And they do it in a half hour. They just lock it right down. Oh. They don't do the broad, you know, hour-long, drawn-out kind of vibe. So the dates are, can, can seem fairly brutal. They can also seem fairly lovely. But it's reasonably accelerated because it's only half an hour and you get at most three couples. See, I, I like the hour format. I like settling in and getting to know people. And I think the biggest thing that I try and do in my like production career, mm. one of my various hats is – like I think everyone, no matter who you are, has a story and it's just a matter of really good TV producing or producing and writing is a matter of finding that mm. story in, in the conversation and it's interesting sitting in an office that, yeah, you are dealing with a lot of, you know, trash, but also I'm on a team of, you know, producers that just phone bash all day and you, you just got to really try and find those stories and find those characters that want to obviously tell it on TV or convince them that they should. So yeah. it's a real, you know, it's a skill in that sense, but also seeing first dates and knowing the background of actually casting those people and getting to that point, it's a real, you know, it's a challenge and it's, I think, a really clever niche that they've made work really well. You're not casting for first dates in the UK, are you? No. I actually, I would love to do that. I would love to. I actually was approached. What a crossover for you? <laughs> I actually apply. It's so funny. I applied for a job. I got knocked back for bloody what's the wedding show? Um, oh my god. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my god. So and I was like, actually, I probably to produce it. 
yeah, a casting role. And I actually was quite, I sort of was secretly relieved. So, like, I don't know if I need any more wedding stuff in my life. <laughs> I'll stick Least with of all dealing with the nightmare that some of those women are. Oh, well, look, today I've been researching, um, this is just to give you an example of what I've been doing, completely different to my Australian career. I've been looking at rinses. Do you know what a rinser is, Steve? Please do educate me, Alicia. It is a lady or a gent who basically agrees to go on non-sexual dates for stuff and money, and it's not prostitution, I've been told, all day. People are like, I'm not a prostitute. But they basically are open about the fact that they are willing to accept cash or they've got Amazon um, pay, like lists that you can say, yes. buy me a MacBook and I'll go on a date with you. Oh, my God. So it's it's a non-sexual experience where they will come and, and be attentive and, and act uh, familiar or get to know you and be familiar with you in that way. Yeah, they call themselves sugar babies. Oh, what? <laughs> See why I'm going to write a comedy festival show? <laughs> I Look, on one level I'm really uncomfortable with that because it's absolutely prostitution. On On another level, I'm really unhappy with that because it's absolutely prostitution. There's no penny. There's, well, they say there's no penny. But, um, you know, I think I suppose this is the thing. It's where your moral compass sits. And, uh, well, some people's prostitution morals. Prostitution in its truest sense, though, Alicia. <laughs> yes, is yes. Is someone having the moment yep. with an intimate time with a person and that person paying them some coins so that they can buy a MacBook. <laughs> In this instance, we've extricated the intimacy, allegedly, I will say, yes. because there's, that stuff could happen. Who knows? And certainly I would imagine in the course of a date, if uh, someone has said, look, I'll happily buy you an iPad, but I really want a MacBook. Well, a MacBook involves some intimate time. But you, want, you mean like upgrading the experience? Yeah. That? Let's, if, if you want to upgrade the, the thing that you're getting, not money, but a thing, <laughs> maybe I've overthought it. Well, I will get back to you when I found my cast, but it's been a day of extreme. Like I feel here's the thing. Can I just sum my production Please. career up in is that you become a mini expert in so many different topics and I'm great at a dinner party. If you need rando weird shit, <laughs> I can come out and tell you I did. I worked on a show about tattoos recently. I don't have any tattoos but I can tell you a lot about pigmentation of skin and laser removal. There it is. Wow. <laughs> the little girl from the circle grows up and learns oh. about tattoos. See, you could come back and go on Studio 10 and blow their tiny minds. Oh, my God. Watch out. I'll just call John O'Coleman. I used to work one of my first jobs in radio mm -hmm. was with John O'Coleman and Julia Zamiro's radio show. I was an, a Serious? producer. Yep. That's how I met Julia. Like that's how Julia and I became mates because we were. I was doing the phones for her show. Got you and your bestie connections. Oh, she's a gem. Dropping all the names. I'm going to see her in Sweden in a couple of weeks. We're going to go and visit her in the Eurovision world. I bet you are, and I would take full advantage of that. You know that she's a super ever, ever megastar on every channel in the world. She's amazing. In Australia now, and yeah, possibly I, the nicest person in the whole world. I tick all of those inner grants. Absolutely. She she directed How to Get Rich. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Why didn't I mention that at the time? <laughs> oh, it's like we've come full circle. <laughs> Callback, baby. It's what we do. Oh, it, it is indeed what you do. Uh, I, I have a couple of questions before we do mm, wrap up. Please. I don't want you to feel any pressure. No. What reality TV show would you star in? Survivor. 
because oh fuck i love survivor so hard like i can't even express to you my joy that it's back and it can it it actually involves everything that i love i love physical i love the physical demand of that sort of you know you got to keep it together i love yep. the deception i love the reading other people and how they're going to react and getting to know people because it's such a social game. Everyone's like, it's a strategic game, which it is, but also it's about how you interact with others, getting to know them and then just using that. But also the thing is, if you're the villain, you don't win. You've got to have people that are going to vote for you in the end. I just think it's Mm -hmm. the best TV show. It's up to season 32 and I'm still in love with it as much as I was the first year we watched old Richard Hatch run into the, you know, nudie water like a lunatic. <laughs> so, yeah, Survivor straight away. I would just give my pinky finger to be on Survivor. At same. So very much. To fill you in and for anyone else that's, that's still listening and cares about television. Please. Uh, Survivor Season 32, Wrong, is airing Thursday nights on Go oh. about 8.30, 8.45. God, gosh. Uh, and it is fast-tracked. So it, ha- it airs. Uh, Wednesday nights, I think that would make it in a, in American time. Yep. So Thursday night uh, uh, comes to Australia and we get it there. And Channel 10 are making their own version of Australian Survivor this I've got year. friends working on it and it sounds amazing. Oh. I'm so jealous. I think it's actually people have decried it given the absolutely abhorrent attempt that Channel 9 made at it. Yeah, but we need to forget that. we just got to forget it, Steve. And ignore Celebrity Survivor too. Like don't even, it's not, don't. Um, what <laughs> plays in Channel 10's benefit, and you may be able to, to support this given you know people working on it. Yeah. Because they've now got a season and a half of I'm a Celebrity under their belt, they have people on the crew and connected to it that specialise in making these sorts of weird – the games are all of, everything of what it's about. Mm. You know, you can have your social stuff in camp and all those sorts of things, but if you then don't challenge the group to have to come together to solve the problem, no matter what argument went on, because that then allows people to play their social game and go, you know what, I didn't quite put in 100% because I want such and such to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, that's super important. And I know that on Celebrity this year, they've got a couple of guys who've worked on Survivor. Oh, wow. That's that impressive. I believe are finishing Celebrity and going to work on Australian Survivor in the challenges department. Well, because they so, need – I've got a friend who uh, uh, has a friend. This is very uh, TV who works on the uh, Dream Team. Yes. <laughs> he works on the Dream Team with Big Survivor and, uh, okay. you know, his story, he tells sort of stories about how much work yeah. goes into making their challenges. And you're right. I think that's mm. actually what was so ye olde piss week about the old version of Australian Survivor was they didn't do it. They just were really tight ass and they didn't put the effort in. And to pull it off and do these great – um, reward challenges and stuff, you really have to put the effort and time into the production. So yeah. hopefully they do that because that's what's thrilling. And you see the drone go over and they do all that stuff. You've yeah. got to do it. Come on, Channel 10. I believe in you. You can absolutely. And it's theirs to screw up. Who would you have host Australian Survivor, Alicia? Well, look, I'm such a Jeff Jeff fan. Like mm-hmm. Mr. Proats is like It's hard to pull away and go, like he sets the standard. You've yeah. got to have someone as good as Jeff. I would like to see a lady host it. Controversial, good call. Yeah, because I feel like what, you know, I really struggle with formats and you see that a lot with people trying to replicate formats and then they just bomb because people are going, but that's not Jeff. Uh, You know, so, you know, he's like, (laughs) well. Lincoln House, you're not Jeff. Forget it. You never get It's never going to work because they love Mm. what they've seen elsewhere and you get to know it. So 
I don't know. I want to say like someone that what what I love about Jeff is that he's he loves that show and he loves yes. the process so much. Mm, so I feel such a fan of it while being in it. Yes, and I love that you know you watch the reunions and if anyone wrongs Jeff or the show, he's fucking back on them and he's like, you know, mm. don't diss this thing that you've been a part of. Um that's a really hard question. I'd like to see a woman. I'd like to see someone that's not on the, you know, the eight people that host everything in Australia right mm. now. <laughs> Bitchy. Um, <laughs> seriously, Australia, there's about 20 million other talented people. Let's stop. Yeah, but when it's Channel 10, there's about four. Oh, fuck. Honestly, you see why I left mm. the country? It's like you can't get a break. Oh, also it bitchy. Really hard. I don't so know. Who, who then? If you had to choose an Australian woman, oh my god, who would you want to stand up and say, I... you know, three teams, whatever, blah, thirty-nine days. Oh my god, this is such a hard question, Steve, because I haven't thought about it. Um, because you know, like my lovely friend Yumi Steins, she'd be mm. someone that would be good because she's fit, she's sassy. Yep. Take no shit is absolute key. Take no shit, and she's also pretty good with spotting like emotional, like people's feelings and she's good at reacting to people. And I think that's what Jeff's very good at. He can spot a look yeah. and pick in the fractures. Yeah. Although you you hear again coming through this friend's uh gossip, you know, that sometimes tribal council they will film film for four hours to get that. So that makes me Oh hard. inevitably, no, there's some long, so long conversations that go into that. Yeah. But Jeff also comes into that knowing what's come through the rushes from the last couple of days. Exactly. Exactly. He knows that such and such has been bitching about someone else. Oh, my God. It's such a treasure. Look, I, I wish I could give you more of an answer. I just hope when they – I have they decided on the host yet? I haven't heard. It's not been announced. Okay. So they may have decided, but it hasn't been announced. Oh, my God. I'm the gonna... Red Hot Rumour. Yeah. Denya. No. That's exactly my response. And I, I say that without discredit to him because he really has taken hold of Family Feud and is doing a good job of it Steve Harvey style. I worked on Slideshow. I know Denya. He's a great guy, yeah. but I don't know if he should necessarily be. No, he's not the take no shit guy that you need in that position. Yeah, right? yeah. I I stand firm yes. that I think the best person to do it in Australia today, if it had to be a dude. I'm nervous. Yep. James Matheson. I love Oh, Yes. Yeah, he's a massive, self-confessed massive fan. Oh, give him the job. He would absolutely punish it. I, oh, my God, Matheson's perfect. I'm, you know what? While we're talking right now, I'm texting my friend who I know is on the show and I'm asking him who, look at me, I'm writing right now as we're talking, who is the Survivor host? And if he comes back, I don't know when this is going to air, Steve, but I'm going to find out. Yes, I'm looking forward to finding out with you and we may or may not tell everyone. That is going to be important for Because we don't want to ruin connections and friendships. He would get sacked in a second. <laughs> oh, Channel 10 would have – and the best part is, Alicia, they never listen to this because there's no Channel 10 stars on here, but it would get fair under Channel 10 skin if I was able to just casually drop that on Twitter. Oh, uh, well, let's smooth. let's see what Leashy Baby can help you with. I just called myself oh. Leashy Baby. That's awful. <laughs> No, I'm all for the third person, particularly when it's familiar. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Alicia, in, in the chaos that is all of this, producing, calling people, talking about weddings, mm. where do you find your peace? Oh, that's such a great question. Playing PS4 and shooting things. Amen. Yes. Favourite shooting? 
Um, look, I really like the sort of GTA style games. I like a game with a bit of humor. I like to mm. get in, I really get into the world. I like where you can run around and do other stuff besides the actual missions. People mm. come into our home and just assume that the PS4 is Richard's and it's really mm. mine. So <laughs> I don't know. It's my happy place. I also love the Real Housewives. <laughs> now it sends my it sends my brain. Okay. Some people go like it sends my brain brain into this place. <laughs> like that. It's just my voice. It's, yeah. I've got so much I, I am a compulsive worker. I am really bad at stopping and I find that the Real Housewives is a, it just sends me to a place of numbness and that's a I good guarantee place. The Real Housewives will stop you. <laughs> uh, but I like may, I've got so oh I, I've got so many that I love. I love Beverly Hills. I love franchise. Yeah, yeah. New York, Beverly Hills, OC, Melbourne. I do enjoy, and I've just started Potomac. But I really watch it on the tube when I'm on mm. like on my way to work. So. A great time filler. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. 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 So it's like my dead time where I can just zone out and people give me the dirties when they see what I'm watching on my iPhone. You could be watching porn. I mean, let's be I fair. know. And people have been known to say that guy three seats up is seeing someone do some fairly strong things to someone else. Yuck, um, yuck, 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 yuck. Yeah, I don't endorse that by any stretch. I, I The facade has to drop here, Alicia. I would normally chastise you greatly thank you for not doing that for enjoying the real housewives (laughs) except that in my other life in my tv podcast right now i'm doing a a reaction podcast to every episode of the real housewives of melbourne with um, (gasps) a lady friend of mine in brisbane who's a massive massive real housewives fan can i just tell you i once had a psychic reading by jackie giles oh my god We talked about getting this for Nick on the podcast. That that has to happen, but only if we can podcast it. <laughs> Tell us what happened and what are the angels saying to her about you? She got the angels got it fucking wrong. Can I just tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old angels, always dependable. It was not their day. <laughs> <laughs> How many babies were you going to have? Well, I have so many babies. And she, well, she just made some really re- weird calls about my grand, my dead grandfather, who was at the time up in Newcastle, fully alive. And uh, <laughs> she, like, I give her that. She was confident in her bad answers. Oh, and yep. I enjoyed her company. And Ben was there. Yep. And in the reading. Well, I was doing it like for the circle. She came along, but this is before. She was on The Real Housewives and they were shopping oh, so her around. She was being Gilly's wife trying to be a, a, a famous psychic. Exactly. So we, for some reason, did a story about her and I, I don't go on the woo-woo. I'm not a woo-woo because my mother used to think she was a psychic. Again, mm. wrote a lot of stand-up about it. I don't really believe in it mm-hmm. and I think that psychics are con artists. So I had said <laughs> at the time, <laughs> I don't want to do this story but then we came to an agreement that I would just host the story and we would take Jackie Giles along to a hairdressing salon and she would just do rando readings on people at the hairdressing salon and then we sat down for an interview and I tried to sort of I enjoyed her company don't get me wrong she was perfectly delightful but I just very lovely to talk to normally exactly but when the angels start talking that's when I just get on the bus so (laughs) you know and she said some things I was like look sweetheart it's not it's it's not my you might be reading someone else but it wasn't correct for me at the time but um 
you know, I can so see why she's a reality star. She's great at what she does. She's very mm. good and she's got great hair. It's all about the hair for me, Steve. If you've got good hair, mm. you're half the way there. Put that I'm on a T-shirt. Her hair, her hair has improved out of sight <laughs> just in the last 12 months on, uh, on Real Housewives. It is <sighs> oh my God. all sorts of amazing. And and by the time this goes to air, we'll be two or three se- episodes into season three. So jealous. The season three premiere of Real Housewives of Melbourne blows every other series out of the water. I'm going to have to borrow it from the internet, Steve, because I can't not participate. And look, I endorse that you find a way to watch it. Oh, I will. Don't Um, you worry. I prefer you do it legally, but I endorse that you find a way to watch it because, quite frankly, Leisha, as I've said to everybody, it it involves getting a hydraulic lift to put your jaw back into place. Oh, wow. Stop it. Lydia, Jackie, all of them. It is, oh, (sighs) this is my TV podcast. Leisha, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, I'm going to monetize my podcast so it can become a business. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to write another book and look at these big goals. And I'm I'm going to crack a really awesome TV show working on something that I'm proud of to tell you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Bold, hairy, audacious. That's exactly what those three are. (laughs) You've got to put it out there. Yeah, the angels aren't going to help you otherwise. Oh, my God, angels. Shine, shine, shine. <laughs> shine, shine, shine. Fuck. Oh, gosh. Oh, look, I look forward to the book. I look forward to the possible. And I'm all for people monetizing their podcasts. I think that a lot of people, particularly ones like yourself, put in a lot of effort yeah, to their podcast. Yeah, it's a second full-time job. And I say that that I've been doing it for 14 months and I think now it would be just nice to draw some sort of wage from it. And I think mm-hmm. also – creatives I would like to finish on this note here Steve that creatives should yes. really take ownership of getting an income from what they do because so many people do amazing things and then they feel bad about asking for money for it whereas mm. I always go back to going would you ask your accountant to work for free no would you ask a lawyer or a real estate agent to work for free absolutely not so I think we just mm. need to drop this sort of pretense that it's not cool to make money out of what you do because that's not how it should be Gee, that's my soapbox for today. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. <laughs> I really enjoyed speaking with you today. Oh, what a delight. You are very, very delightful. Please please know that the things you said today, for the most part, were very special. And you are a highly valued human who is very, very flawed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just given some of the stuff you've told. No, you are. You are highly valued, seriously, Alicia. And thank you. It is wonderful to chat with you oh it's i have followed you for so long on twitter and i love what you do and i miss being in the same time zone as you stop it (laughs) thank you that's very nice of you to say oh thank you well thanks for having me on the show i love it i hope everyone listens and enjoys i learn i enjoy very clearly you are on the twitter are there other social media accounts you want to admit to Oh, I have the Instagram. Actually, the Instagram mm-hmm. I've been enjoying, it's just slash Alicia McCormack and it's like wedding-y stuff but also I drag Rich on it all the time. So if you want to see my <laughs> husband, you can see him there reluctantly, constantly. Standing going. in the background looking mopey like. <sighs> he does lots of like angry faces, which again just feeds the want for him more because <laughs> people enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. 
And I love that you called it the Instagram because that, for mine, seems to be about the vibe where we're slowly turning into our parents. I'm an old, old woman. Someone in the office today, when they, they said, are you married? Like, these are all these young production people. I'm like, yeah. Oh. And they're like, oh, I don't really know any married people. It's like, <laughs> oh, far out. And then she, and I said, how old do you think I am? And then she said, I think you're in your 20s. I'm like, thank you. That's a, that's Have a great cool. day. Well, I'll walk away now. I'm happy with that. Mm, no more questions for Leash. Yep. <laughs> this has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Leisha McCormack is indeed human. <laughs> oh, you're adorable. Thank you.